This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. If you like hearing listener-submitted true ghost stories, having a bit of a laugh, hopefully, if you find a British sense of humour funny, that is, then subscribe to the We Need to Talk About Ghosts podcast, recorded live each week from the birthplace of the Beatles, Liverpool, UK, with me, Kevin Eustace, direct from my genuinely haunted apartment. Definitely not haunted. Oh yeah, I'm also occasionally joined by my sceptical partner, Becca. Hello. Which usually results in sometimes funny, sometimes heated paranormal arguments. So search for We Need to Talk About Ghosts wherever you get your podcasts. And we look forward to joining you in our haunted apartment. Not haunted, still not haunted. See, this is what I've got to put up with. Oh God. Hey, this is Alex. And this is David. And we're your camp counselors over here at Camp Strange Podcast. So come on down to the campfire every week as we tell you about the weird, creepy, and strange stories that we brought. Like the sexy lizard man who yeets dogs at cars full of teens. Or the six best demons to befriend in hell. Yes, one makes corn dogs. I kid you not. And even haunted dolls. Uh, yeah, we, we bought a haunted doll off eBay. His name is Gary, and he's a beautiful boy. And just about everything else we find strange. So find new stories every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And don't forget to stay strange. Hey guys, welcome to episode 198 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey everybody, hope you had a great day today. We want to first start off the episode as usual by thanking all of our military, civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, and also anybody who is on the front line who is an essential worker, whether it be in the medical field, whether it be truckers, whether it be uh, working at the stores or factories, or whatever the case may be. Thank you to all of you for making this uh, world go round during this pandemic. Yes, we appreciate you guys so much. And y'all, of course, have our prayers every day and hope you guys are taking care of each other. Then, of course, we also want to uh, make mention that if you're having a rough time during this quarantine time hopefully things are starting to get a little closer to back to normal over the next couple of months but if you're struggling right now make sure you reach out to somebody whether it be us whether it be the suicide hotline what's the number trace 800-273-8255 and then if you'd rather text it's 741-741 obviously there's been a, a lot more activity in the group as of late with people talking about their struggles that they're having and I'm just glad that that group is there for other people to jump in and, and help. Yes, definitely. We so, all need it. 
us included. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a been a crazy time for sure, but we'll get through it. And um, you know, we have each other, and we'll just lean on each other as long as it takes. Yeah, and we had a listener, which will remain anonymous, tell us that her uncle, who used to listen to the show with her all the time, uh, succumbed to. The demons, I guess, that he had and, and committed suicide last week. You know who you are. Thoughts and prayers out to your family. Yeah, and, it's uh, terrible. She said he used to listen to the show with her all the time, and she actually thanked us for helping him be strong and get through some of his tougher moments. But eventually he succumbed, and, and it's it's sad. It's, it's horrible. And anytime you hear that, it just makes you wonder, man, what else could we have done? And maybe there was nothing else. You know, that, and then when I say we, I don't mean Tracy and I, I just mean the people around yeah. uh, the, the individuals that, that make the decision to, to end it all. Um, so I just wanted to just, you know, make sure people know if you're listening and you're struggling, please reach out to somebody. But not only that, if you know somebody is struggling, take the time out of your day to give them a call, check up mm-hmm. on them. You know, you hear a lot of times like in the wintertime, when it's really cold or something like that, or when it's really hot, they'll tell you check up on the elderly and stuff because yeah. it's a tough time. We need to do that with people that are struggling from a mental standpoint. If you know somebody struggles mentally, check up on them as well. Absolutely. All right. Last week, we did a Wyoming story because we had a listener say, hey, why don't you do some Wyoming stuff? Well, at the time that I looked up last week's story on the Frontier Prison, Wyoming Frontier Prison, I had found another story that I also liked. So it was like a coin flip, and they're both full full length episodes. Mm-hmm. So it was like a coin flip as to which one I wanted to do, and I chose to do the Wyoming one or Wyoming uh, prison one. But then I thought about it during the week, and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to do the other one this week. So we're going to have back to back Wyoming stories. So before we get into the story, I want to give uh, a big shout out to Sharon Murdoch, who did the majority of the research on this show. And those of you who listen know that I rarely accept research Mm -hmm. other than doing it myself for obvious reasons. I just like to be that in-depth. But Tanya Hines, way back on episode 100, which hard to believe we're almost to 200 now. I know, that's crazy. She she researched six or seven episodes Mm -hmm. and and did a fantastic job. And the only other person that has helped so far is Sharon. And Sharon did a fantastic job. And I just wanted to give credit where credit was due. Thank you, Sharon. We appreciate you, honey. All right. So I have always loved any kind of story that involves our military or military bases. Mm -hmm. And you've heard some of the like listener encounters and stuff like that that have come from military bases. Really cool stories. We haven't done a whole lot of regular stories on them, though. This one is about the oldest Air Force base in the country, the Francis M. Roy Warren Air Force Base. The base is actually in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and it was built in 1867. Now, that might seem a little odd at first because 1867 was quite a few years before the Wright brothers had the first successful flight in 1903. Wow, cool. So that's because this location wasn't always the F.E. Warren Air Force Base. Originally, it was an Army Frontier Fort, and the name of it during the inception was Fort D.A. Russell. So that was the original name. It became the Fort Francis E. Warren in 1930, 
and then finally the F.E. Warren Air Force Base in 1949. So you're probably wondering who Francis M. Roy Warren is. Or maybe not, but humor me. Um, I'm so curious. <laughs> I cannot wait to know. <laughs> Warren fought in the Civil War and was even awarded the Medal of Honor. Very cool. He eventually delved into politics and was elected a territorial governor in Wyoming, but he had bigger appar- uh, apparitions. <laughs> Wrong part of the show for the ghost stuff. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> he had bigger aspirations and eventually became the first ever state governor of Wyoming. Well, good for him. Needless to say, he was a very accomplished individual. As far as the facility itself, though, there have been several well-known people to spend some time there. From a military standpoint, there was General John Blackjack Pershing. I know nothing about him. I didn't look anything up on him, but he sounded pretty damn cool. I feel like I've heard that name before. I would find that odd if you had. Like, seriously. (laughs) You had General Billy Mitchell, who was also known as the father of the Air Force. So I guess that's a good place for him to be at the first Air Force base. That's all. obviously a couple of military people. Now, from well-known people... Outside of the military part, Sammy Davis Jr. spent some time here. No kidding. As well, he used to keep an eye on the place. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's bad. (laughs) Also, Neil Diamond was there as a a child because his parents were stationed there. At least one of his parents. I don't know. Oh. That's that's where they were stationed. That's interesting. So a little more history on on the Air Force Base. F.E. Warren was the first fully operational... ICBM Air Force Base. ICBM stands for Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. Ballistic? Yeah. That sounds heavy. (laughs) From 1960 to 1965, the primary missile that was here was the Atlas SM-65 models, which I don't know about you, that's always been my favorite model of missiles. (laughs) It's a toss-up for me. (laughs) Between that one and what else? Um... A model airplane. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Launch sites such as this one, in the early days of the the newly activated 90th Strategic Missile Wing, were called coffin launchers. The missiles were stored sideways in shallow underground uh, bunkers and then then would become erect for launching for (laughs) hymns.com. And you've probably seen these. Have you seen the the missiles that would be like, it'd be like a line of missiles and they'd be laying level, but you would see like the doors open up from the ground and then you'd just see them kind of come up at like an angle. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of what you're looking at. So in the last 20 years, the need for these missiles has obviously decreased. So F.E. Warren is still one of the main bases for global strikes if needed in the United States, though. Oh, and F.E. Warren, by the way. As far as nuclear weapon capabilities, it has enough stuff there that would make it one of the world's major nuclear powers, if needed be. Well, that's not good. Depends on if you need it or not. The base was put on the National Register of Historic Places in 1975, and the base was listed as a National Historic Landmark. I bet. All right. Got the history out of the way. Are you ready for the paranormal part of this awesome military base? Yes, sir. And let's say, since we are doing a military base, a big thank you to anybody who listens to who actually might be working at the base or who used to work at the base. Oh, yeah. Even though I chose to go with the prison for last week's show, most of the list of haunted places in Wyoming 
list the Air Force Base here as the most haunted place in the state. So many ghost sightings have taken place here that the base personnel actually kept a logbook of these ghostly occurrences. My understanding was that it's pretty hefty logbook that was constantly added to and is still added to today. Well, I'd like to see that. It's just a book. Yeah, kidding. that'd be cool, though. <laughs> and trust me, these aren't just recent things, either. There have been unexplainable events happening here that date all the way back to the 1860s when it was Fort D.A. Russell. Over 150 incidents have been reported in just the last 50 years. Several of these reports were eerily similar. Of all these reports, the most common one comes from the uh, brick officer's quarters. This building had some additions built onto it in 1910. There's also a house on the base that has had so many sightings, it's just known as the ghost house. <laughs> the most common sightings here are of a, a cavalryman and his dog pacing around the attic. You not only hear his heavy footsteps from the, the obviously the military-issued boots that he would be wearing, but then it's followed by the clicking dog nails. I would like that. Yeah, but you'd think he'd go outside and walk around. Why you got to stay up in the cellar? <laughs> well, I mean, the stay attic. Up in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the attic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture in the house that if you remove it from the wall, the dog will bark and whine until you put it back up on the wall. I wonder what the picture is. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't find that. There's another house that's fairly close to this one. In this particular house, there have been many reports of a little girl with long curly hair. She's often seen standing at the window of the guest room. Now, this wouldn't be such a big deal except for the house is supposedly empty most of the time when this little girl is seen. She's not just been seen uh, by onlookers. The previous owners of this house also felt her presence. There's another building on the base that once was the HQ. It's the ICBM Museum now. There's a spirit by the name of Jeffrey who's been spotted on several occasions in the museum. It's said that he's kind of a laid-back, non-malicious spirit, but he does pose a problem. He likes to disarm the security system and leave the doors wide open. <laughs> I can see that that might be a problem in a secure military um, yeah, base. Yeah, that's not safe at all. <laughs> I wonder if you would jump on him like you do me for not locking a door. Well, if I jumped on him, then I'd probably fall to the floor. Get it? I mean, literally jump on him. I got you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was an incident in one of the oldest parts of the bases here. There was a young girl. She was awakened in the middle of the night, only to see a cavalry officer standing in the middle of her playroom. Well, I mean, he might want to play tea. You never know. You know, <laughs> would you like a spot of tea? Why would he have to be British? People like to play tea here. They British to... like tea. Yeah, so do Americans. You like tea. You get tea every day. I know. Okay, y'all want to sit down and have some tea? There you go. That's All probably right. what would have happened. Closer. Okay. That better? So we mentioned earlier that the base personnel kept a logbook. Several of these instances involve seeing members of the U.S. Cavalry. Now, they didn't just see them. In some cases, they have even communicated with them. Back in the 1980s, Staff Sergeant Edward Davis encountered a, a cavalry officer. That's my dad's name. I know that. Oh, my gosh. 
Davis looked at the officer and he greeted him with a good evening. The officer looked at him, looked at Davis and he said, howdy. Mm-hmm. And then he just disappeared in front of the officers. Oh, we don't talk much, huh? No. Not much to say. <laughs> so according to legend, in the 1890s, an officer took a transfer to another post and left the base. Here lies the problem. He didn't tell or take his fiance. <laughs> he just left. Left her there all alone. She was devastated and she committed suicide. Aww. She's been seen walking around the upper floor in one of the houses on the base. So you can see there's a lot of these stories don't have a lot of meat to the bones. Right. Much like the ghosts. Yeah. But they're little simple. But these are still sightings nonetheless. We're going to get into some a little bit longer stories as we get. But these are just some of the sightings that have been posted in the logbooks. These ghosts all seem to be friendly. Unfortunately, there are some of these that are not so nice. Some even send some of the most hardened military personnel running. Most of these are rowdy cavalrymen. There's a lot of cavalrymen here, apparently. Female officers have reported that they've been touched and assaulted by the, uh, I guess we'll say, invisible hands of these very menacing spirits. These ghosts actually walk the streets and they drift in and out of whatever old building they want to. I mm-hmm. think that's why there's so many sightings. So there's one building that the security personnel checks in and out from. So it's kind of like their post. They have security dogs as part of their staff, right? These dogs refuse to go to the second floor. Like the dogs of today? Yeah. Oh, they don't want to go near it, huh? They won't go near the second floor of that building. Ooh. So the next story goes back a little bit. So you ready for this one? I'm ready. This happened at the Air Force Base's FAM camp. Are you familiar with what a FAM camp is? Mm, I don't Damn, know. Damn, Ninja. Trying to tell a story. <laughs> a FAM camp? FAM camp. Military FAM camp is like a campground, or it is a campground. Well, yeah. But it's usually on a military f- facility for when family Families members come to come visit. And visit. That's what and I was going That's there. what I thought it was. So this was the middle of the night. There was a young woman screaming. She wakes up several members in the camp. Her screams were, we'll say, of a desperate nature, according to people Mm -hmm. who heard it. Some of the airmen in the nearby dorms were awoken, and they in turn alerted the base's authorities. So the police show up. It's dark, but they had a little light from the stars above because it was like a really clear night. They could hear the woman scream, but they couldn't find her anywhere. They searched for about four hours. They would get really close to where the screams were, and then they would just stop, and then start again at a completely different part. Oh, my gosh. That's annoying. Yeah. They never did find the source of the screaming, and after some research, it was discovered that in the 1920s, a young Native American woman was brutally raped and murdered by a group of cavalrymen. Oh, man. At White Crow Creek. Not cool. White Crow Creek, by the way, is exactly where Effie Warren's present-day fam camp is today. The campus where the lady was supposedly yes. attacked. Okay. Yes. On several occasions, the security will be called out to the missile silo only to see images of braves riding on horseback out on the prairie. 
obviously there are no braves riding on horseback now so it's yeah something they're seeing from the past could be you know residual energy mm-hmm. or haunting or something like that but that's still they see cool. these they see these scenes played out on a regular basis out by the missile silos this might surprise some but fe warren has its own cemetery that don't surprise me it surprised me i didn't know military bases had their own cemeteries because usually they have i mean they obviously you have military cemeteries there i wouldn't think they would be on the base maybe it's for people that don't really have family yeah or something it's right next to the officer's quarters there is a woman that's seen there she's kind of just lurking around in the cemetery she's always said to have a veil on like a wedding veil or probably, just a veil veil? Probably like a black mourning veil. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like the woman wore in Jaws when her little boy got ate at the one that slapped Brody. Remember that? No. Probably not. I remember it. Most people remember it. So, everybody remembers every second of Jaws. Mm. She Anyway, so when they'll see her out there when security approaches her, she just disappears. Security definitely has their share of stories. One night, there was a guard. He was working the night shift. And he came around the side of the building, and there was a man in a cavalry uniform just standing at attention. Like like he was waiting on him to get there, but he's standing at attention. And the guy, you know, walked a little bit closer to him, tried to find out what was going on. And he said the man disappeared right in front of his face. He said there was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was somebody there, and they just disappeared. Then you got Building 34 in the base. This is where the security forces HQ. At one time, this was the base hospital. It's one of the most haunted locations on the entire base. As a matter of fact, the basement in the building used to be the hospital morgue. This is the part of the building that people have had multiple sightings of a nurse who likes to walk up and down and go from room to room as if she's checking on patients. Mm -hmm. So there's a rumor that years ago... Six nurses were killed by an escaped mental patient from there at the hospital. He murdered them in their living quarters, and that was in building 233. So who knows how much is to that. That's really sad. How are you going to do that when the nurses are just trying to take care of you? Um, He's a mental patient. Mm. Probably not thinking correctly. That's my, my guess. Yeah, that's terrible. So let's talk about Gus's quarters. The official name is Quarters 80, and in the early days when this was a fort, a young officer lived here, but he was gone more than he was home, more or less, on military maneuvers. He comes home early one day, and he catches his wife in bed with another man in the upstairs bedroom. Yep, that's not good. How come you never come home and catch, you know, your wife with another man on the couch or on a desk or on the kitchen counter? It's always in the bedroom. Well, because if the bedroom's upstairs and they got maybe more time to for the guy to escape or... I would just think, though, if you're going to have an affair, you're probably unhappy with your, you know, sex life. So you probably would be looking for something more adventuresome. Well... And I would just think being in the bed was just... Yeah. Kind of ho-hum. That's just me. Anyways, he catches him. He's upstairs. He's in the second second floor bedroom. And the soldier blocks the exit... So the guy, the guy can't can't get past him, so he jumps out the second floor window. And as you can imagine, this was probably not the best idea. He accidentally hung himself on the clothesline. Since then, the man known as Gus 
has been seen on several different occasions, and more notably, in, he's notorious for moving things around in the house. He also likes to move furniture and open cabinets. Some say that he's looking for his pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got some personal stories here from people that have lived on the base. This one's from August of 2018, fairly recent. The person chose to be, <laughs> this is actually funny, the person chose to remain anonymous, so he didn't give a story, but they give his name later in the story. Oh. Well, at least his first name, but still. <laughs> so this person said that they came to work. It was a Saturday. They were going to catch up on some paperwork. They're sitting at their desk, and it's important to note that they were in one of the oldest buildings on the base. It was an old brick horse stable originally that was built by, for the uh, 10th Cavalry. So they're, he's sitting there, he's working at his desk, and he hears heavy, you know, footsteps, boot footsteps. Sounds like they're walking in from the front of the building to the back, but this was upstairs in the attic, which was used pretty much for storage. Okay. They immediately assumed it was the on-call maintenance guy, uh, the tech, and he was up there doing something. So after hearing the footsteps over and over again, he decides to get up and he walks to the back of the building. This is where the steps were that led to the attic. And so he's up there just kind of checking it out. Footsteps stopped right at the top of the stairs. But a tech never came down. So this prompted the employee to call the tech's name a few times, but nobody answered. The employee walked up to the attic. Now, this was a big open area with just like spare doors and extra cabinets and stuff like that. So at the, the point that he got up there and didn't see anybody, he assumed that the, the tech was just pranking him some way, some shape. So then the lights turned off. Now, this was really strange because these lights were on a uh, motion sensor with a timer. So these lights turn off after 10 minutes of no activity. The employee then remembers that the lights were on when he got to the stairs. So someone had been up there or they wouldn't have been on. Mm -hmm. And then he's trying to figure out why it turned off when he was up there because he was moving, so it shouldn't turn oh, off yeah, while there was, was no say, motion. Yeah. He'd have to be just completely stopped. So come Monday morning, the employee, he goes in and he asks Bob, who I guess is the head of the, the department, about the situation. And since Bob's been there for a while... He thought, this is who I should ask. So before the employee could even start telling the story, Bob says, let me guess. You heard Boots walking around in the attic, right? You went to see who it was, and there was no one there, and the lights kept going on and off. Been there, done that, huh? Yeah, that was pretty close. So the employee said, well, yeah. Bob yells for Daryl. Daryl comes up to Bob. Bob says, Tell Justin what you heard the weekend that you were on call and you came in here to get the gas valve out of my office. <laughs> so, see, he says, tell Justin. So, oh. that tells me the employee's name was Justin. Justin. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, these, I've got some other personal stories. These come from the same family. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first one we're going to talk about is Jane. She's the wife. It's Jane and Paul. Okay. Jane said she had an occurrence where she was there in the house and she was walking down a staircase in one of the houses there and she sees a 40 to 50 year old Native American male. She screams, runs into the bathroom, locks it, and then she just sits and, and, and just tries to listen 
to see what's going on. She swears that the entire time that she was locked in there, she could hear a young female voice crying and screaming. Man. What do you even do? <laughs> I mean, just let it scream or you go investigate? So then her husband, Paul, he comes home from duty. He notices a dark human-shaped shadow standing in front of the window. He walks in the house. There's nobody there. But Paul saw a smaller dog-sized shadow move very quickly down the hallway and make a sharp 90-degree left turn into the kitchen. It disappeared through a closet and through the back door, which was locked. <laughs> At a later time, his, their eight-year-old son, David, was terrified by a white male that was, seemed to be standing behind his chair in his bedroom. So David said that he was a nice man and he was kind of smiling. He walked around the room to the window and disappeared. This is what their eight-year-old son saw and told them. They often hear footsteps on the staircases. Cupboard doors open. Kitchen doors slam at all hours of the night, waking up the family. One December morning, Paul and Jane came downstairs to find some kind of a strange unknown substance smeared all over their refrigerator. Jelly? I don't know what it was. They recently... Got two dogs who like to stare into the air, and they like to chase something that must be invisible around their bedroom. Hmm. Objects like cookware have started to disappear. Sometimes they turn up, sometimes they don't. Maybe she's just a horrible cook, and it's his way of trying to just... <laughs> to save them? <laughs> Here, just let me get rid of all this stuff for you. They had a hammer disappear and end up in a completely different room. One night, Paul came home, and there was a candle burning. That wouldn't have been so strange, except for the fact that Paul said that he didn't light the candle. It was just burning, and Jane said that she was gone. She wasn't in the house, and she said she didn't light a candle at any point during the day. Mm -hmm. So there, And she had the child with her, mm -hmm. so there was no way that a candle could have been lit, but right. yet it was. Cold spots are frequent, so frequent that Paul says the place has an atmosphere of a meat locker. The atmosphere or the coldness? That's what it means. That the atmosphere of the place is oh. like a meat locker because of the fact it's so cold. So that is the haunted history of the F.E. Warren Air Force Base. So back-to-back -back stories from the great state of Wyoming, and I really enjoyed both of these. How yeah, about you? Yeah, those were really good. just want to, like... You know, converse with a apparition. I just want to like have a sit down. <laughs> you know. Well, have at it. Well, can to find one. Well, you want to talk about what happened here while we were gone? We spent a week in Erie, Pennsylvania. I had to go up there for work, so Tracy went. Now, for those of you who have been longtime listeners to the show, two years ago in May. Uh, no, that was Houston. Two years ago in August, we went to New Orleans, mm -hmm. and we were gone for a week. And so we left Kristen, our daughter, here by herself. She's 33, so it's not that big a deal. Um, we had a situation. She called us. The garage door kept opening and closing on its own. And 
we eventually had to figure out how to tell her to get up there and turn it off. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, the last time we were gone to Houston last year, there was all kinds of creepy sounds and stuff going on here. This week we're gone and a picture, a big picture that we had up of Tracy's father who passed away in August. We had pictures of him in, made into a collage and it was hanging in our stairwell. Been up there forever. It fell made a huge crash, and busted all over the stairwell. We get back, and obviously she calls us freaking out. Because once again, this happened while we were gone, and she's by herself. We get back, I look, the screw is still in the wall, so the screw didn't fall out. Mm -mm. And I look on the back of the picture, and the uh, little hanging piece that's on there is still on the back of the picture. There's no damage to it. I have no idea how this thing fell. I mean, uh, it's not it, it's not something that should be able to shake off from like no, uh-uh. yeah, it's, it shouldn't happen. I have no idea what happened, but it's in pieces. I mean, she said it fell behind the rail too, like not you know what I'm saying, like it, like fell. it went straight down. Yeah, so that's even more odd. Yeah, it's almost because it, not much room from the wall to the rail. So very interesting. So yeah, always every, always something going on. In this yeah, house. every time we go away, there's some issue. It's like really weird, but oh well. Okay, so a couple of different things that I want to discuss, and we'll get into the Patreon stuff and the iTunes reviews. First and foremost, we're trying to figure out live events. I know some of you have tickets for live events, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. Most of the states are starting to open, um, so you know there are going to be there are going to be some restrictions lifted to where you can have groups of people so from the physical standpoint it's not going to be an issue for some of the shows coming up as far as whether the states will allow it obviously what we're looking at is more from a responsible standpoint and being safe for all of our listeners and and the performers at these events that's always going to be our top priority I don't have answers for you as to what's going to happen in the next couple of months. I definitely don't have answers either for what's going to happen, you know, five months from now when we get to these shows. There's supposed to be mm-hmm. September, October. What we did want to find out, though, is where your mindset is. And we put a poll up in our group. So if you're in the group, you have an opportunity to vote on it. And it's just basically when are you comfortable being in a crowd? When do you feel safe being in a crowd? When will you go to a concert or a live event or a sporting event? So if you want to just send us a message and say, hey, I'll be comfortable, I think, in September, or I'll be comfortable next year sometime, or it's going to take two years. If you want to just send us that, we're using all that information and all these polls to try to determine whether we're just going to scrap this year altogether or whether we're going to try to shoot for something later in the year. Because some of these shows that have been canceled, we we might try to reschedule if it's safe. And if people still want to come, you know, people are going through financial hardships right now. Some people have still haven't gotten paid for uh, uh, Tracy included for the mm-hmm. six, seven weeks she's been off work. Not a bit. And I know a lot of people were in that same situation. So even if it was even if you felt safe and even if it was doable because the state says you could do it financially, it might not be viable for you. Right. So we're, we're just trying to figure out what we need to do. So if you want to send us an email. If you want to send us a message on Messenger or Instagram or something, we would appreciate, even if you, look, even if you don't plan on coming to a show, we would still want your opinion. Mm-hmm. So even if you're just, you know, maybe you're going to a Van Halen concert in three months or something, but you're scared. I just want to know your opinion on being in groups in general so we can try to decide what we want to do or what we need to do, I guess, is more relevant. Yeah. 
Also, we're toying with this. Haven't made a decision yet, but I would also like your opinions on these. So you could actually give us your opinion on both of these at the same time. Tracy and I have toyed around with taking all of the bonus episodes, the Hillbilly Youngins, the Fear of the Week, the Midweek, and putting them on a feed all of their own to where Hillbilly Horror Story Sunday episode will be the only one on this one. And we would give it like three or four weeks still for people to subscribe to the new one. But maybe put all of those other ones on uh, something. I don't know. We still don't have a name, but maybe something like the Hillbilly Horror Paranormal Collective or something. And in that way, if for those of you who don't want to listen to that, you don't have the feed cluttered with a bunch of episodes. And those who do want to listen to it, they'll have all those episodes over there all together. So we would like your opinions on that as well. We've not posted that one in Facebook. That's just been, just, this is the first time anybody's hearing about it. So yeah. Greatly appreciate it. Tracy, what do you got as far as, like, people? I got my peeps. <laughs> as long as they're not marshmallow. Um, For iTunes, we have the old reliable Mojo Lobster. We love you, doll. Your normal bi-daily. <laughs> Which we appreciate. <laughs> Mr. Nowhere, Boys Hack. And we have one from the Netherlands, and it is Katrine Elzinga. I think it's Katerin. Katerin. I knew I, I was going to say that but wrong. But I don't know that. For I sure. think Katerin sounds better because I knew I was going to say that wrong. Dang it. And Tracy's got another one. It's just a bunch of letters and stuff. So before oh, well, you get to that one, I want to no. answer Katerin's question. Okay, go ahead. She asked, why do all the ghost hunting shows and everybody doing investigations always do investigations at night? Shouldn't ghosts be available or seen throughout the day and stuff as well if they haunt a place? The, that question is probably has multiple answers to it. First and foremost, supposedly, one of the reasons is um, as adults, when it gets nighttime, our minds are a little more susceptible to seeing things because you're a little more open-minded as you get tired. Things can be seen that more maybe relaxed. when you're at your alert during the day might not be seen as well. Also... You've heard of the witching hour, which is supposed to be when the realm is really closer to um, the two realms are closer to the realm of the, you know, weird, as John Tenney would say. So three to four o'clock is when a lot of people like to do these investigations because of that. Then you've got people who say that, you know, it doesn't matter. You can do it any time during the day because plenty of ghosts have been seen in daylight and during the day. So it doesn't need to be in the dark and all that. So I don't have a great answer for you. But most of it is just because your mind is more susceptible to seeing things in the later evening when you're tired. You got to barf? I almost did. Wow. So go ahead. You've got. Um, and then our Patreons is Eric and Christy Cochran. Thank you so much for your support, you all. We appreciate it. And keep those iTunes reviews coming. We love it. Didn't we have one that had like a whole bunch of letters? Well, it's Mr. Nowhere. I just went with that. Oh, gotcha. gotcha I mean, gotcha. that's what it says. But oh, okay. Thank I you for all your letters. Mr. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. it, it literally was not a review. It was just a bunch of letters. But it was a five star, so yeah. we'll take it. It looked like when Freddie jumps up on the, uh, <laughs> on the keyboard. On the keyboard every once in a while. <laughs> we appreciate it, you guys. We really do. And we hope you guys are enjoying the live shows we do on Saturday. Um, yeah, glad you brought that up. So we had Graveyard Tales on, and I completely botched it because we have to do these 
in the Facebook pages. So if you're not a member of the Facebook page, go sign up. You don't have to be. You can go on and watch this without you know liking it or whatever. But just look up Hillbilly Horror Stories and uh, just like it. We're trying to get more likes on there anyway. Last week we had Graveyard Tales. And I can put this thing in two places so people can watch from either place. I put it in Graveyard Tales and I forgot to put it in our own group. Duh. <laughs> our own page. And it was like 30 minutes into it before I put it up. So today I went back and posted the full episode because I also realized that it didn't pick up from the beginning. So on our page, it starts where we started recording at or started viewing it. So it didn't pick up the whole episode. I thought it would, but it didn't. So I went back today and reposted the whole episode. So if you didn't get to see it live, it's about an hour and a half long with the Graveyard Tales guys. And Mm -hmm. it was fun. It was was, uh, one of the better ones, I think. Go back and watch it and enjoy. And I apologize. But in the future, I won't make that mistake. Yeah, it's it's a learning thing here. Yeah, we're we're learning. So so far we've had history goes bump, graveyard tales, we've had Justin Rimmel, we've had Shelby Lenora. So that's four really good shows, and then we did one by ourselves. It's hard to believe we've done five of those already. Mm-hmm. But next week we have our own author Leslie Fear. Oh, cool! And then the week after that we plan on having Kristen and Dakota from Hillbilly Youngins. Nice. That'd be exciting. Yeah, they'll be coming to us all the way from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, guys, that's what we got. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Go leave us a review. It helps out. Also, I know a lot of you guys love stickers, and I'm going to give you a chance to get a free sticker. It's not ours, but it is from Podbelly, who is the uh, group that we belong to, Network. A lot of good shows on there. Graveyard Tales is on there. We've had... Uh, uh, Kim and Kat, Stay Alive is from there. You've heard a bunch of the shows on here already and a bunch more that we haven't had an opportunity to have on yet. But go to podbelly.com, get your free I Love Bacon sticker, and uh, you can listen to all the different current episodes that people have there. And you can get your free coupon code to get your stickers there all throughout the month of May. Go check it out, podbelly.com.